Welcome everybody to the Men for Life podcast. My name is Andrew Jacoby and I am joined today by Pete DeMaio. Uh, What's up everybody? And uh, we have Grace Longo as well for Grace. This is great. This episode will be called Grace Longo Part <laughs> 2. And we are also joined by a young man who is uh, wanting to be part of the podcast and we're super happy to have him, Antoine Robinson. Antoine, say hello. What's up, guys? It's Antoine. <laughs> <laughs> Antoine is a young man who goes to uh, St. Joe's Prep and is, uh, um, is awesome. So anyway, so what we're going to do today is we're going to do the uh, continuation. I didn't feel like that was a valid. He's awesome. I mean, he skipped right past it. You, yeah. I know, right? I can't. How awesome. Dare you? What, what, okay, guys, hit Give me. my whole life story. <laughs> how awesome I am. What I do. Come on. Proper introduction. I know we're on a timetable here, but sorry, I'm rushing through the Antoine awesomeness part of the show. <laughs> and you can't see us right now, but I just want you to know I have on my Pope John Paul II the great socks on today. That's wow. awesome. Pete does have Pope John Paul II socks on. It's not a lie. It's that real. It's real. You know yeah. it's going to be a great day. Like whatever is coming your way when you have these on. I want that. We're going to try to. We, if we're going to have merch, Pete, we got to have that yes. as part of our merch oh, for yeah. Men for Life. It's got to be like the Men for Life socks right there. That's going to be it. And Men my for lovely, Life. my lovely wife bought those for me. Those are awesome. She knows he's my man crush. I love the Pope JP too. That's great. You know he slept on the hardwood floor, right? Isn't that the thing? That's amazing. Of course he did. Obviously he did because he's awesome too. Okay, so let's start off in prayer, and then we'll get into uh, gr the rest of um, our discussion with Grace. I'm really excited for that. So, Pete, do you want to um, lead us in prayer, and then we can uh, go into the discussion with Grace? Sure. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer them. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Great. Well, Grace, thank you so much for joining us again. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad um, to be back. Yeah, it was so great. And I've had, we've heard great things from the people that have listened to your episode. You really inspired people the last time um, and inspired me and Pete for sure. And so we wanted to just sort of continue and we're really happy that you came back. So I wanted my, I, as I said before the show, when we talked, I wanted to, two, two main themes for me that were interesting. And I'm sure Pete has some questions too, but two things for me was number one, I thought it was really interesting. You're struggling with trying to develop, um, a new relationship with the man that you're with and sort of how that sort of contrasted with the way that you were doing that before. I know you also were talking about, uh, you had some thoughts about being consecrated as a, in a, um, in a community, uh, convent of some sort, or, or maybe a religious life. Um, so I'm curious about that. And also very curious to me the most, the thing that affected me the most about your story last time was how going into Kensington and being with the, uh, the people there, was in, which is really dark place for those who haven't listened to part one you should go listen to it but at kensington google it it's really ugly look at it on youtube it's a, like the worst sort of drug um, infested area in philadelphia if not the nation and grace was living there for a year and going and having encounters with people there to help them um, and so that was really powerful how that enlivened your faith so i don't know if either one of those themes are something you want to that you could talk about which, which would you like to hear? You from? choose. <laughs> up to you. 
Well, did you have any specific questions about the Kensington things? Well, yeah, to me, I'd love some in particular stories, like stories that you had with the people there. Is there a, mm-hmm. a person that you, mean, you can change the name or call a person's first name or whatever? I thought that was something that was really powerful for you. Yeah, um, it's interesting you said stories um, because that was the thing that uh, drew me to that place. Um, because when I first you know, went there, as I was telling you about in the other episode in high school, um, and we started doing these missions of just encountering people through conversation and, and these things, it was a lot of just hearing people's stories. And I don't know, I just... Ever since I was younger, I've always been fascinated. Well, just like kind of fascinated with human beings. Like I just always remember being so curious about people in general. And as I've gotten older, I just, I really like to hear people's stories. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting like where, you know, people came from. And I don't know. I remember even, yeah, being younger, like being on the highway or something in the backseat of the car, like just like watching random people, you know, like, I wonder like where they come from or this and that. And and, like people watching, you know, in a crowded place. It's just always been, you know, very interesting to me, like people's stories, always wondering where they come from and stuff. So um, with the missions, especially it was, that's all it was for hours was just listening to people's stories and listening to their hearts. Um, So that's been, again, the most powerful thing. That's what kept me there. And that's why, you know, I wanted to live there. And that's why I wanted to do the missionary last year and things like that. Um, But, and I told you the story last time about the one woman in particular. um, And there's so many, but uh, I just want to say this to start with this too. Someone said this to me before, and it really struck me. Um, It was a woman that was giving uh, a talk at this at this retreat. And she's talking about different things. And again, like talking about the power of, of a story, the power of someone's story. And she said something that absolutely like stopped me in my tracks. And it's so true. She said, behind every pair of eyes that you ever meet, that you ever come in contact with, behind every single pair of eyes, there is a story that if you knew it, you would absolutely weep. You would absolutely weep. And I just remember, wow, that is so true. That is so true that if we knew it, we would absolutely weep. And so, and then she followed it. So how are you treating, you know, people, how are you treating each pair of eyes you come in contact with? So, um, I just think in a place like that, it's very easy for, again, for people to be looked at, not as human beings. Um, we talk a lot about pro-life things here and this is men for life podcast. You know, let's go talking about life. People are not looked at as human beings there, um, at all. And, talk about marginalized it's just you know everyone's clumped into this one place uh yeah it's it's really bad and um you know people will say again I haven't heard my name spoken in so long and all these things um it's just very inhumane the way they're treated and what happens there um so yeah I think just even bringing back dignity through a conversation looking someone in the eye getting to know them regardless of circumstance regardless of where they are just looking at them as you're a human being I'm a human being I want to get to know you just for that fact alone um yeah it has the power to heal um and that's a big thing that happened too was um like through those encounters with people and especially uh living there just developing relationships with people because um where we lived we I'm sorry, we haven't talked about this at all. (laughs) You're just learning this for the first time. But where we lived, um, it was a place where people came and ate meals. We we cooked meals for people, one big meal a day. The woman who was in charge of the house I lived in, she's like an amazing cook. She's awesome. Um, Just an amazing person. But 
uh, yeah, so we would set up the downstairs like restaurant style and people come in and, you know, we eat with them and serve them. Um, so you get to know a lot of people um, and especially the sa- a lot of the same people come in every day. So it's more of that like relationship, um, which was cool. And what I realized was hopefully, you know, conversations and and that relationship was, you know, could be healing for them in some ways. But it was also very, very healing for me. It's it's I could talk about this for so long, but there's so much that happened. Yeah. in that place that was very, very healing for me Um, and the way that I was treated by these people who. You know, everyone's either afraid of, pushes to the side, is disgusted by, you know, you name it. Those are the people, some of the people who have actually, like, I feel like loved me the most, if that's even possible, um, or looked out for me the most, or wanted to get to know me, you know, the most, and, um, like, truly loved me without wanting really anything in return and not caring about where I came from or that I clearly, you know, didn't belong there, (laughs) you know, all of these things. Um, But, yeah, those relationships were healing for me too. So um, I just think, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, ask me about this and about the the stuff in Kensington. And again, I'm I'm so fine talking about it, but I always just go back to the fact that if we can just normalize and talk about the fact that everyone there, you know, no matter the addiction, no matter the circumstance, are human beings. And um, yeah, that's like I think that might be my role to play, maybe in the pro life movement and issue is um is that portion of it that people who are very much still living um they have just you know fallen either to addiction or or to other things uh who are treated like they are not human beings anymore i just feel that that's what the lord was asking me to do i don't know if that was really answering the question um i need to go into more specific stories and i can with people but yeah i don't know sometimes i don't know if i want to say names and stuff but that just in a general sense um, is something I wanted to say. Yeah, for sure. But sure, yeah. you can, if you want to talk about a particular story, you feel free to change their name. I mean, you mm-hmm. can just say, mm-hmm. call him Pete or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, if, <laughs> and if you don't mind, if I ask you something, yeah. Grace, because you and I have had a chance to chat about this a little bit. Yeah. One of the things that you said to me that I thought, and we may have mentioned this in part one, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. So excuse me if we did, but. <laughs> You said something to me that I recognize, and I was so happy to hear you say it, that our young people from the suburbs are literally one, two, maybe three bad decisions away from winding up in Kensington. So I think for everyone who's listening, we're not talking about going down and serving lunches to, you know, to the poor or something like that. That's not what we're talking about here, because, yes, that's a thing also. And we can do that in any city. We're talking about literally what Andrew said, possibly the epicenter, like the drug capital of, you know, the entire country is right here in our own backyard. Um, Is there any one specific gender that you found there addicted to, to drugs? What more? Men or women? I mean, both. <laughs> both. I would say, honestly, there's, yeah, uh, sadly, sometimes it's, it seems like there's more men, but then, you know, another day, it's men and women and, and, you know, young and old and 70, 80 year olds and 13, 14 year olds. I mean, you, yeah. You of got all me. races. <laughs> so. My goodness, I had three questions for you. You answered all of them in one. I wanted to know about races, and I also wanted to know about age. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for our listeners, that's an important thing to understand here is that 
drugs, especially, especially heroin, spares no one. No one. Oh, no. Uh, not at all. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because, again, um, what, lead, what leads up to that point, that's what I, why I said that to you about the suburbs, you know, is because, again, yeah, I'm from, you know, Delaware County. It's 24, 25 minutes from the city. Um, but you would think it's a whole other dimension, you know, compared to where we live in the suburbs. But, yeah, first of all, we just – we have no idea, and I think it's good for us – the people that live outside of the city especially and it's right here to have an idea of what's going on and secondly yeah we are a few we all could be a few bad decisions away from being there because it's a different kind of poverty it's it's not people that were born into this a lot of the times it's not people that you know it's addiction creates a different kind of poverty it's where people and you know you end up there no matter where you're from and a lot of people are from our suburbs and a lot of these stories are people that yeah graduated from my high school neighboring high schools um you name it, it hits very close to home. And we need to, yeah, again, going back to stories, like getting to know people's stories of what led up to this point. Um, because addiction, is it's bondage. And you, when you're held in bondage, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. But there's things that lead up to that point, which are sometimes even more heartbreaking, you know. And I don't know if you want to speak into this at all, because I think even both of you maybe, you know, can speak into this, is that, I know that that when I came back to the faith, I didn't come back to dabble. You know, I mm -hmm. jumped right in, right? You know, go up to the top diving board, and it was like I'm plunging. You know, it was, or or I've said before, it's like Galatians two twenty. I'm emptying out, and God, you go ahead and fill me up with with goodness, because I've you know, my way isn't working very well. So, mm -hmm. on that note, is that we all are dabbling in this life of sin. I've talked to people, you know, from our area, so-and-so is an alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic, so-and-so right. is a recovering addict, so-and-so is, you know, fouled up with porn, so-and-so is, you know, so it's all these different addictions, you name it, you know, this one's cheating on that one, you know, and so there's infidelity issues, right? So do you guys want to, you know, and I'd like to open that up to both of you to see your, th do you want to speak into that at all, that we're dabbling with this, not realizing that it's that one party, you know, because I've talked to many, many addicts and from Kensington, Grace, mm -hmm. where it's like, man, I, I, you know, I did heroin, you know, at, at that party, that Upper Darby, you know, like party mm -hmm. or whatever when mm -hmm. I was 16 or the Springfield or the whatever, you know, it's like any suburban town and it's, or Philadelphia and then, here I am, I'm 31 years old, and when I look in the mirror, this I never thought I was gonna look like this, you know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. do you guys wanna speak into that of maybe the, the dabbling world that mm -hmm. we're thinking we still have control over it, not realizing that it might actually begin to control us if we don't, you know what I mean, get a hold of this, or? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, sure, um, it just reminds me of what my dad uh, always tells me, he's always like, Dude, one time doing any drug and that's it. You're done. Your your life is ruined. And I, it's crazy. It's just crazy how true it is. And it's not just like how you're saying, oh, one party I did heroin, whoopsie daisy. Now I'm in Kensington. Uh, it could happen from anything. I remember this one story. I was doing service in middle middle school. I think it was actually in Kensington too. This uh, guy told me that his wife had divorced him, and that's what started his addiction. So it's not just only you know you're at a party with your friends. It could be absolutely anything. So like you got to be careful, and yeah. you know this also relates to cure personalities. Where you, you don't have to go right into drugs. You can use yourself to feel good about yourself. 
So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier said than said than done for mm-hmm. sure. Because it's, yeah, you're right. It's more than just you know messing up at a party or, or being you know young and dumb or whatever. Um, it's also a lot of the stories are this is what was used to numb the pain. This is what they used to numb the pain of loss of abuse of this or that. And when when you don't have something higher in your life to turn to. You turn to something that will numb the pain, and that is, you know, drugs. It is alcohol. That is porn. That is all these addictions. Um, that we all struggle with addictions. First of all, that's no one is, is, escapes, you know, addiction in this life in some way, shape, or form. So we all we all will or have experienced it. Um, my dad always used to say too, actually, like in terms of just like drugs and stuff specifically, and and even alcohol, just a lot of different things. Um, or at that in excess, he would say, the best way to stop is to never start. That's all he would say. He's like, just know that the best way to, to stop is to never start. And um, I remember having a conversation with, with my brother, one of my younger brothers. Um, he came to Kensington one time on a mission just to see and see what I was doing and stuff. And I remember him just being like so in shock of like, I am never touching anything. Like, not that he, <laughs> I don't think ever would, but he just was so taken aback. Like, I am never touching anything. And Oh my gosh and same thing with a lot of these high schoolers that come come to do you know mission work there or, or just even see what's happening it's like oh my goodness i'm never touching anything so yeah dabbling it's it never works you know these i remember a lot of the people um there they knew that um i did a, some stuff with high school ministry too like some of the people that i'd be with in kensington every day with the meals and stuff they knew that i you know did some different work with my dad like they knew that <laughs> i don't know they just were very invested in things in my life it was it was nice but they would know that i'm with high schoolers a lot too so they'd be like you tell them they would say to me you know you tell them these are people that have been you know homeless or going through this for a long time like you tell them to stay away stay away from all of this you tell them to you know live their life this way i mean these are people who this is their current situation and they're like crying out to the young people please like please 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 from someone who is here yeah don't you know, don't repeat do the not, cycle don't yeah. repeat the failure like, right you tell them yeah you know what one yeah. quick um one quick thing from the two of you is for any parents that are listening or other young people that are listening, would you like to say something about them feeling comfortable about coming down? Like, like, do they need to see this? And can they feel comfortable coming down either with like Sisters of Life when they go to Pray the Rosary mm-hmm. or Mission Youth or, you know, one of these organizations or my buddy John who goes down to do, you know, food every Sunday. So yeah, I'd, I'd say it's up to the parent and whatever, you know, you're comfortable with and, and also the age. You know, you don't want to be sending your five-year-olds to Kensington. But, um, yeah, I think if they're age, yeah, age-appropriate. And um, if the parent, you know, you know your child best, if you think that they'd be able to, you know, they'd be okay with something like that in a safe, you know, service-oriented way, I think, yeah, it would be great to go down in some way. And, And I'm not sitting here saying everyone's supposed to be in Kensington. I am not. It is it's very dangerous. It's, it's a really horrible situation. Even just, again, being aware of this, um, not everyone is called to be walking the streets of Kensington every day. That is not what I'm saying at all, because that's not true. But again, just being aware and having your kids be aware that, again, this is what goes on in our backyards. This isn't funny. This mm-hmm. isn't a joke. This isn't, this affects people's lives. And um, it's happening right here. So, yeah. 
And it could even be, as you said, this isn't necessarily a party. This could be you had surgery and they handed you the opioid pills and you have to be very careful about, you know, tapering off of them exactly the way that the doctor, Mm -hmm. you know, instructed or that, you know, that type of thing, whatever you guys described. How about you, Antoine, like seeing it or being around it, you know? So I I would say I encourage um, anyone, uh, high school, middle school, if there are any middle schoolers watching this, uh, if your school has any type of service project to say Kensington, that is just an amazing opportunity in a safe, safe environment Mm -hmm. to go with first off your friends and people, uh, you know, to go down and see firsthand what is happening in Kensington. And I just a little point to like, if you're going to be with your friends too, and you're going down to Kensington, if you're doing service, you know, that really helps out because you would rather be with your friends doing service than just by yourself. So Mm -hmm. encourage you and your friends to go down there to go do service too because then you'll be more productive and you'll have more fun and you want to do it again. It just keeps going and going until, you know, hopefully um, the problem is solved. Mm-hmm. And it'll start great conversation mm-hmm. with you and your yeah. friends, especially in high school and middle school. Just seeing that, yeah, together will start great conversation of, yeah, what do we need to do to avoid this? You forever? know, yeah. yeah, funny. You had, uh, y- you had said the phrase for the for the Jesuit, um, like charism. Uh, you want to say it again? Cura uh, personalis. Yeah, which means uh, it's an emphasis that the uh, view that each person is is a unique creation of God, and then what that'll lead to is discernment, which is what you were just describing. Grace is now you're actually going to start having a conversation about that with your friends, mm-hmm. maybe not even realizing that you're intentionally having that conversation, but it's like, man, today or mm-hmm. man, that one you know person I talked to or whatever, and then you start having that dialogue, which is. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andrew, did you go? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was curious. Do you have um, a particular person? I mean, you, you mentioned one last time. Is there somebody else that really struck a chord with you? I mean, I'm sure lots of people, obviously, you were there for a year. But is there anybody that comes to mind that really sort of um, either surprised you or changed you in some way? And Yeah. Yeah. Um there's two specific stories that come to mind, actually in two specific people. I'll share one, and then the one actually really relates to something else we're going to be talking about today, but I'll just share this one first. Um, <laughs> I love him. There's this man, uh, David, and he he came in pretty regularly. He was probably early 60s. Um, I'd see him at least three times a week at least. Um, and he, we would do... Um, I have this devotional book called Jesus Calling. I don't know if anyone knows it or knows what it is, but it's just like this little daily devotion where it's it you read it as if like Jesus is talking to you. It's really it's really beautiful. But um, he it would always I would like leave it everywhere. I'm kind of like a little disorganized sometimes, and especially when I lived down there, it was kind of a crazy like it was just kind of crazy and like you're always kind of running around and I was like leaving random things places, but um. A few times I had like left that Jesus calling like on my way back from mass or something like on the windowsill of the main room where like people would be. And um, it was one time he he saw it and like I caught him like reading it, you know, to himself on the, at the windowsill. And I was like, oh, my gosh, David, thank you. I, you found my book. I've been looking for that. And he's like, you know, this is really beautiful. You read this every day. And we start talking and um, yeah, that kind of started like our friendship. I had known him and known his name just from. Yeah, just like, you know, small talk, but that kind of was the start of our friendship was that book. And, um, so we started, I was just like, I'll just wait to do my devotion in the morning. If you, if you just want to do it together. 
He's like, okay, yeah. So whenever he'd come, we just would do the Jesus Calling book together and um, over breakfast. Um, and sometimes he'd, he'd sneak me. Like, I, I love the oatmeal that we'd make. Oh, my gosh, Kim, the woman who, who would make this oatmeal, it's amazing. It's like this brown sugar, like, oh, so much, way too much sugar, but, like, in the best way. This oatmeal is amazing. So I'd always have him, like, sneak me, like, a little cup before, you know. And so he'd like, all right, come on, come on. Um, and we do, he'd sneak me a little cup of the oatmeal, and we'd do the devotional, and it was really it was really beautiful. And um, so another thing that I, something I really love to do, and hopefully I'll do like with, with my life in some way, I really love to write. Um, I always have, and especially since, since the Lord has been in my life, I've felt very inspired by the Holy Spirit um, to write, just to keep it mostly spiritual writings. And um, he, he writes too, David, and, and as our friendship would go on, we'd talk a lot about writing and stuff like that. And he would share things with me or I'd share things with him. And, um, he ended up giving me like multiple ideas for even like titles of, of books and we just like would brainstorm together and um i remember one time he said you know what you should really i think you should write about or, or that would be an amazing title for this book that you're gonna write and again this is just you know nobody get their hopes up maybe this will happen one day but uh, i don't know if this is happening right this second but this will be great if it could happen one day but he said you should you know write a book and title it cover me with your wings I was like, wow, what is that? What do you mean by that? Um, and he said, he's like, I don't know. Sometimes he's so incredibly wise. Oh my goodness, I miss him. But he's like, sometimes in this life, you meet you meet people, and you're not quite sure. Like the, you meet people that are just so good. Sometimes you're not quite sure if they're angels or humans. And there's something about their presence, their you know their aura, the way that they interact with people. There's something about them that you almost feel like you're covered by their wings and all of a sudden you're safe all of a sudden you know you can be who you were made to be and it's just like you know he was talking about different people in his life and we both you know expressed to each other that we felt that about each other that it's like wow I really feel like you cover me with your wings and he's like I feel like you cover me with your wings you know we're just having this moment and um, I just thought that was such a beautiful concept, isn't it? Cover, mm -hmm. cover me with your wings. like, And how that, again, that has the power to heal when we can do that for each other and when we can recognize that in each other that you might be in the presence of angels sometimes. That I, That's such a beautiful way to describe it, right? Someone's goodness that you think you're almost in the presence of an angel. Like, and just please cover me with your wings. So, um, yeah, just so many beautiful things with David. But, um, yeah, so again, maybe maybe one day that'll be the title of a book. Um but what yeah. was more of his story? So was he? Is he from the area? Did he, he come down? Did he get? Is he? On, is he a? Was he into heroin? Like what's his? What's his? Like a little bit of background on him? Yeah. Um, again, probably early sixties. He was born and raised in Philly. Um, he's he's been an addicted for many many years, um, on and off homeless. He was homeless at the time where we knew each other. Um, yeah. He he was on and off. Um, trying to get clean and he was in and out of rehabs when when I knew him or it'd always be some kind of big situation he it's it was sad he had one of the best hearts I have ever met in my life and one of the best faiths oh my goodness talk about he will always be I think a part of my again personal story like in my interior life like his faith has affected my life so much and the way he views the Lord and again just so strong and he wanted out so badly again just sometimes you're in bondage when you're in addiction it's not that he wanted it um but again he's he's on the road to some kind of recovery he's not on the hard hard opioids anymore he's slowly weaning off the last time i saw him um 
yeah, he, he had relapsed recently. So again, it's kind of this this tragic back and forth, um, and he's still under this under this addiction, but has such a beautiful heart and and, and personality and. Oh my goodness, it was such a huge part of my time there. And again, I still see him mostly every time I go back. But um, yeah, that was just, that was something that came to me, David. Mm. But, yeah. And one other question I had for you, that's a really beautiful um, story, by the way. And the other question I had was, how did the time that you spent there change you, would you say? How would you characterize mm. the change of like before Grace, before Kensington, Grace after Kensington? Mm. Oh boy, I'll try to sum that up. That's another thing we could talk about for maybe an hour. Oh gosh, but I will sum it up. Um, yeah, because again, it wasn't even just the time where I lived there that changed me. It was ever since I started going there. I mean, um, I would say, yeah, the the biggest thing is um, probably learning how like nothing I actually am and like learning how weak I actually am and realizing how much I need a savior just as much as these people do. And I'll explain that as like I talking with um, a lot of the people that I know there and, and doing the things that we did, it brought up so much weakness and sin and things that I need to root out in my own life that wouldn't have have come up in the same way, mm. I don't think, if I wasn't in that place What's first. an example? Um, an example, um, <laughs> this really kind of goes into it, but I think a big one is just... It's okay. People need to hear this, Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, again, one of the biggest ones is just things that have happened in my life, like th- ways that I've fallen or ways that I've been mistreated with men um a lot and um again like I'm not I'm not gonna go fully into this because we don't have the time but I I don't mind saying it anymore just because yeah it's been a few years and it but right right before literally like a month and a half before I went to Kensington from the first for the first time I I I did go go through um situation of sexual abuse and um with someone that I trusted a lot and who was was much older and again that's a story that I won't share right now um yeah but that happened right before I went to this place and I I think I said this on the episode before but one of the first people I ever talked to there was this woman who had been there 15 years in prostitution and through been through so much abuse and and all these things and it, it was so funny to me how God works when I say like this place saved me it really really did um because I was in a place after that incident had happened. And again, that was like after a lot of other situations of use had happened. I just never really pointed it as use or abuse. But then this big thing happened and it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Wow, wow, wow. And I was in a really very, very dark place. And this was after the Lord had already came into my life. I was incredibly confused and and um, angry and upset and um yeah, God seemed pretty far because I was confused. Like he already had come in. I'd started to get to know him more and more. And I was all excited and getting involved in these new things. And like I was finally at a place where, you know, certain sin had finally, I felt, been rooted out of my life or I was starting to change my intentions towards things. And then this happened. Um, I'm sorry to be vague. I just have to right now, honestly. But and then a month and a, you know, a month later, I'm invited to, to Kensington where, 
you know, you're like seeing people, you know, have sex over there basically, or you're walking, pr prostitutes are walking everywhere. And then, and, and the, the sexual assault there is up the wazoo and you're talking to people and all these things. And you would have thought that'd be super triggering. And it was in ways, but it was healing because mm. I was at a place where like, I was so inward. I was so inward during like the weeks following. And it was like, again, like very traumatic and the, there's a lot that goes goes in with that, but I don't think if I was brought to a place where I was forced to step outside of myself, I don't know like what would have happened to me, to be honest. I don't know what would have happened. And all of a sudden I'm thrown into this place where I'm watching these women who are used, abused, you know, violently, like that same way that I was every single day, multiple times a day. And all of a sudden like this empathy like was arisen in me that it would not have been there if that the things didn't happen to me first that same kind of empathy and like that saved me too of like all of a sudden there was like purpose to my suffering because of this place and all of a sudden like I wanted to be with these women all the time because I actually felt like understood and there was just again a lot but and when you're saying the first question of like how did that change you that was one of the the biggest things it changed even again like how like I wanted to receive people and specifically women um, or what I was so why I was so passionate about what was going on there in terms of the prostitution and sexual assault and all these things. Um, but again, it brought up so much, even like even the past year, because, again, this incident I'm talking about happened like almost three years ago. And and the first time I went to Kensington was my junior year of high school. So like this has been a little bit of time. But even like this this past year when I was living there, so much was brought up. To the light where again it's incredibly painful and triggering in this but the Lord is saying I'm bringing this up because I I want to heal you like I'm bringing this up because you need to embrace this suffering and embrace this cross or else you'll never you'll never fully heal like I'm bringing this to the light so we can you know meet this wound together and there can be healing and again I don't think any of this would have happened if I wasn't sent to this place really truly and again I'm not discounting um suffering I'm not discounting having to go through things very deeply and especially traumatic things and, and just sitting with that but there is something about being forced to step outside of yourself even during like a time of of trauma or even during a time of immense suffering like that there is something about yeah being called outside of yourself to people who are experiencing similar things or and much worse that is actually healing it doesn't discard your own suffering at all it heals um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that went, that went on for a while, but, um, there's so, so, so much I could say about that. That may be a whole nother episode. Who knows? Part three. It's, I'm so passionate <laughs> about this specifically, but, um, yeah, sorry. Are we up for time? Cause I was just going to say one more thing. No, no, keep, keep going. going. No, we got go. eight minutes. Yeah, well, Pete, you, you look like you're about to say something. No, I was going to ask you something on that. It was, a, okay, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Keep going. Go ahead. Well, it was going to go into, because this all relates, it was going to go into my next story um about someone but so you can ask your question first we might go part three then okay. um because there's a lot here and yeah, i think is. what you hit on which is really important is that god will call us outside of ourselves and sometimes even outside of our physical location yeah. to a new location but ultimately the new location isn't about the new location it's about the coming out of ourselves to bring us to the place that he wants to bring us to through the encounter of others oftentimes yeah. for the healing that's needed. So, mm -hmm. and, and that can only occur by being there and bringing our suffering 
to someone else's suffering, recognizing their suffering, which reveals our own suffering, which mm-hmm. will then lead to our own healing. I mean, Grace, you like, I that was perfect, beautiful. But what I want to know, because Antoine, we have you here with us, is mm-hmm. I want to know, since Grace is like a fast forward into your life of about four, you know, four or five years, is how do you see yourself now and what you need to do because grace needed to take action. God will call you and he'll lead the way, but you actually have to give him your yes and you actually have to go. (laughs) You went to Kensington as a junior, Grace. You made a decision to possibly not be in college and spend a year of your life down there serving. So Antoine, I'd like to know from you, like how do you see taking offense? How do you see, you know, doing something, going into action. And if you even want to talk a little bit about Pennsylvanians for Human Life and the new Student Advisory Board and all of the different, you know, things there, don't feel anything you want to comment on, whatever you're thinking. First off, I'd just like to say, beautiful story, Grace. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So what I see, like I say, myself doing in the form of what Grace was doing, in high school, like I, I try to do as much service as I possibly can. Like uh, during my birthday, actually, I'm going to West Virginia for service. Um, I, I try and do as much as possible. Uh, and I hopefully can continue to do that uh, wherever I go for college. And maybe it's nothing like what Grace said with the year in Kensington, but like that story is just so empowering. It makes me want to do it myself too. And it makes me want to go above and beyond with the service I do. And, um, you know, it reminds me of this one um, for my pro-life club at school. We had the Sisters for Life over for um, a story. And at the end, they were talking about how over in their convent or mm-hmm. <laughs> wherever they, yeah, um, they were talking about how they have uh, men come over and help them build cribs and things like that. And, like, there's things like that that I, I'd love to do. I should probably get in contact so I could because I like building stuff and doing it for a cause that I'd love to do. It's just, it'd be great. And um, I totally forgot what I was about to say. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just things like that, just doing as much service as possible. Being with people, like how Grace was saying, you always want to know where people are from, how you were in the car. I, I relate to that so much. I still do it to this day, where I wish I knew where people are going, where they come from. And doing service, it, it's uh, like the service Grace is doing, is a really good way to go into that, where I can find out what people are doing, where they're going, how they got there. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and also, how you're talking about the PA um, uh, advisory board. Um, with that, too, I can do service uh, in light with people there as well. And we can continue to bring that with other people who join the board, who, other people who are just in pro-life clubs. And that's that's where I see myself with service and things like that, too. So. Awesome, Antoine. And Grace, again, thank you so much. We've got to land it because we've got somebody else going to be knocking on the door here in a couple of minutes. But, man, we need a part three. There's got to be a part three. Grace Longo part three. You're like a trilogy. You're like Star Wars. Can be like Grace Longo part seven. You're like the return of Grace Longo part eight. Grace, stories from Kensington. On the part three, one of the things that we want to discuss is how God led you into a new relationship yeah we didn't get to any of that yeah we didn't get to any of that talk about healing wow yeah i mean there's 
Maybe there will have to there's be a part more. three because there's yeah. yeah. Okay, Pete, do you want to end us in there's prayer more. because we've got a we've got a bounce here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, number one, um, I just wanted to thank both of you for for taking the time out of your schedules to be on with yeah, us. Yeah, it's great. And thank yeah, you guys. Thank you guys. It's great. Mm -hmm. We're looking forward to having you again. You guys have tremendous insight, and you were just you know powerful example of what young men, young women should be doing you know with their mm -hmm. lives, and uh, so it's beautiful. So thank you again. And uh, yeah, do you, would you like me to wrap us up? Do it. Yeah, okay. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Uh, God, thank you so much for giving us uh, this time together by bringing Andrew and I together, and uh, hopefully to utilize the vehicles that you've provided uh, to create a stronger culture of life in this crazy world that we're living in. Thank you so much for... Uh, for introducing me to Grace Longo and for allowing her to be with us and just share all this inner beauty that's just been created by you and how she can now share that with others in her life and, and encourage them to do the same. Thank you so much for introducing me to Antoine. Um, I could tell from the moment I met him that there was just something, something there, something unique and special. I could see it in his eyes. And thank you for allowing him um, to be a part of this mission as well. One of our main focuses is to restore, hopefully, authentic masculinity where we can be defenders and we can be leaders and protectors and providers, that we can love women and cherish them uh, the way that you had designed um, true authentic love to be, that we, can, that we can be a service to others, that we can allow you to just come into us and to use us so that we can show true charitable love towards others and hopefully bring others to you as well. Um, so thank you again for all these gifts that you give us. Um, please continue to fill us up with the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come, so that we can continue to do your work here. And I thank you for everything you've done. We ask you this for this strength in Jesus' name. Amen. As we pray, Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.